Sketch 13 of Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chinese Diamonds for the King of Kings by Rosalind Goforth. Sketch 13. Two Rice Christians. Part 1. The Wolf Boy. As one travels westward from the city of Changti, the country becomes more and more mountainous and rocky. Villages throughout that region are frequently troubled during the cold winter season by wolves, desperate with hunger, venturing into the village streets, injuring and sometimes carrying off children. During the winter of blank, a lad about 14 years of age, named Cheng, surname, Wu Tsi, given name, left his home near Changti to visit an aunt living in a village ten miles west of that city. One day, as the lad was going on a message, a great wolf rushed down the village street and, before he could be driven away, jumped upon the boy, clawing and eating part of his face. For months the ignorant villagers did what they could to relieve the poor boy's terrible sufferings, but alas, those who are at all acquainted with Chinese methods of treatment know how worse than useless such attempts would be. Only when it became apparent the boy would die were the people willing for him to be taken to the mission hospital. Naturally, this most unusual case aroused great interest. All came to know of the wolf boy, as he was called. For almost a year he remained in hospital, carefully and tenderly nursed by his mother, her devotion to her boy being most noticeable. The doctor and his assistants set themselves to do their utmost for what they felt was one of the most difficult cases that had ever been in the hospital. The doctor sought to give the boy, as far as it was possible, a new face, but after months of careful treatment and clever grafting, he was only partly successful. He succeeded in saving the sight of one eye and in forming practically a new mouth. But after the doctor had done all it was possible to do, the boy still remained such a horrible sight he was forced to wear a mask. While in the hospital all those months, this poor torn lad won the hearts of all by his gratitude for every kindness, his cheerfulness and patience under great suffering, and his simple loving nature. The kindness shown them opened the hearts of both mother and son to the gospel message, and both became Christians. It was the boy, however, who received the story of the Saviour's sacrifice with real joy. What it meant to him came out one evening at the weekly prayer meeting. The little group of Christians gathered were startled and deeply touched when the wolf boy suddenly began to pray. His face was so bound as to make speech difficult, but this is what he said. Quote, o Lord, I thank thee for letting the wolf eat my face, for if he had not, I might never have heard of this wonderful saviour. When at last the time came for the boy and his mother to leave the hospital, the missionaries felt it would be heartless to turn the boy adrift to the tender mercies of the heathen, so gave him the situation of water carrier for their yard. Here he lived and worked amongst us for some years. The writer can never forget this boy's sympathy and sorrow when one of the little foreign children, whom he looked upon as his friends, became sick unto death. 
Outside the sick child's door he waited and waited every moment he could spare from his work, hoping and praying for the word of hope that was not to come. When at last he was told the precious spirit was no longer with us, his grief was most touching. Four years later the boy left us to take a situation at an adjoining mission station. Near this mission a river, wide and deep, flowed. It was here the wolf boy met his death. When bathing with some other lads, he was carried out of his depth and drowned. Many years have passed since this humble servant died, but there still remains in many heart a warm remembrance of the lad, so physically hampered, but through whom the Christ life shone so brightly as to make him a blessing and an example to those who knew him. Part 2. The Wolf Boy's Mother. Faithful in that which is least. The following brief sketch is a true and grateful tribute to the faithfulness of one who has been to the writer one of the greatest blessings a mother with little children could have, a faithful, devoted nurse. As I write, there comes before me a vivid picture of the scene in the hospital ward where I first met Mrs Cheng. On the wide brick platform or bed which reached across one end of the room from wall to wall, were stretched a number of patients, each one on their own thin mattress or bedding, and each attended by their own friends, foreign nurses being unknown in China then. In the further corner of this Kang, or general bed, Mrs Chang bent over her poor mangled son whose face was completely hidden by bandages. On that first visit I remember being much impressed with the mother's soft voice and quiet dignified manner and with her extreme gentleness in tending her child. Each subsequent visit increased the desire to secure this woman as a nurse for my children. Soon the opportunity came. Mrs Cheng soon found that months instead of days or weeks must elapse before her child could leave the hospital. The question as to how she could support herself and her son while in the hospital became a serious one. She, therefore, gladly accepted my offer to meet their expenses in return for her help some hours each day with the children. By the time the doctor had pronounced the wolf boy ready to leave the hospital, Mrs Cheng had proved herself such a blessing and treasure in our home that a warm welcome awaited her from the children as well as their mother, and she was installed as their permanent nurse. Less than one year after Mrs Cheng came to us, that terrible cataclysm of horror, the Boxer Uprising, took place, and we were all ordered to flee. With four small children, the thought of that long cart journey without Mrs Cheng was appalling, but would she come? Her boy still needed her to dress his face, and her old mother, of almost eighty, to whom she was greatly devoted, looked constantly to her for help. We laid our need before her, and for one day she hesitated, going about the house as if dazed. At evening she came with tears, saying, quote, Shepherd mother, I must go with you. My old mother weeps but tells me to go. My boy needs me, but he too says I must go, for the children need me most. End quote. Days and weeks of terrible experiences followed, during which Mrs Cheng proved herself a blessing to the sorely tried mother. Again and again she was tested as few have ever been. How she stood the tests, we shall see. 
the story of that journey has already been written and only what specially concerns Mrs. Cheng will here be mentioned. On the eleventh day of the journey, a band of armed men came down upon our party like an avalanche, and in the melee Mrs. Cheng and our little daughter Ruth became separated from us. Can we ever forget how, when men stood over the faithful nurse demanding the child, she refused to give her up, but lay upon the little one, and took blow after blow upon her own body. Only the greed for loot saved them, for the men, seeing others getting our things, left them to get their share. The same night, when again our party was facing what seemed almost certain massacre, several Chinese came to Mrs. Cheng, urging her to leave us, promising to see that she would be taken safely back to her home if she would, but she refused. About two o'clock that morning I heard the sound of weeping in the courtyard. Going out I found Mrs. Cheng sitting by the steps, weeping bitterly and moaning aloud. I must go, I must go, they need me, even if they kill me I will go. Sitting down beside her we clung in our distress to each other. Then a strange thing happened. Two Chinese women came creeping towards us through the dark court and, kneeling down at our feet, took our hands in theirs. Almost too surprised for words, I said, Are you Christians? We don't understand, they replied. Then why have you come to us now? Because our hearts feel sorrow for you. These words but imperfectly convey the beautiful and touching sympathy of these heathen women, for, as they spoke, tears were in their eyes, and their look and manner meant more than words. Before I had time to say more than a few words to them, the call came to get into our carts. Once, during the wonderful day of deliverances that followed, the cry was raised by the mob that surrounded our carts, Get the nurse out! Drag her out! We'll have her! And for a few terrible moments it seemed we would lose her. But God in his great mercy heard the cry that went up for her. A man came through the crowd, evidently one of some influence, and shouted, Don't touch her! Leave her alone! Don't you see there are children and they need her? So we were allowed to pass on. In those terrible days that followed, when almost starved, when sickness came to first one and then another, when all were exhausted and tried to the lost point of endurance, Mrs. Cheng thought not for one moment of herself, but only for those she served. During all those hard, hard days, not a word of complaint or of her own sufferings escaped her. After a month from the time we left our home, we reached Shanghai, and here we had to part with our faithful helper. It was arranged that Mrs. Cheng should go to a friend of ours in Chifu till the troubles were over, and we returned to the homeland. Last words of farewell were being said at Mrs. Cheng's cabin door as her steamer was about to leave. The dear woman clung to me unwilling to part, and her last words were, quote, Oh, my shepherd mother, do take good care of the children. So smiles were mixed with tears as we parted. Two years passed. Conditions were once more becoming normal, or nearly so. Missionaries were returning to their various stations, but could we who had been through that baptism of blood, ever be just the same as before. We had been spared for further service, while others had been translated. 
surely we had been saved to serve as never before a new and difficult life was entered upon the opening of new outstations the breaking of new ground all through the years of that life when travelling constantly from place to place mrs cheng was a patient and willing sharer in all the hardness and a never-failing source of comfort to me never once in all those years that i can recall did this woman ever get really angry or even out of temper with the children and it was a life that tried temper and patience to the utmost the years have passed on and with them the little children from our care but mrs cheng remains although sixty years of age she appears in some things to be renewing her youth during the recent war when we women were trying to do our bit through the red cross mrs cheng came to me one day and begged me to allow her to take my place at the sewing machine at first i refused but finally let her try but with some fear lest she break the needle to my great surprise she was soon able to go on with the red cross work quite alone indeed she came to make the soldiers garments so well as to call forth special praise from the red cross headquarters this greatly surprised me for i could never get her to attempt to learn the machine when the children were small one day i asked her why this was so and her reply was then i could not learn because the children filled my heart now my shepherd mother it is empty let us take in closing a peep into mrs cheng's own home at break of dawn on new year's morning nineteen eighteen mrs cheng her only remaining son and his wife and their three children were busily engaged preparing their new year's feast which consisted of dozens amounting probably to hundreds of tiny meat dumplings each one just large enough for one luscious mouthful these dumplings are to the chinese at the new year season what turkey and plum pudding are to the westerner when all was ready even the pot or rather large cauldron at boiling point awaiting the precious dumplings mrs cheng gathered her household around her and together they knelt and worshipped the christian's god heathen neighbours gathered about the open doorway and watched in wondering but respectful silence the kneeling group and listened to their hymn of praise worship over while the rest dropped dumplings into the bubbling water mrs cheng preached to the curious and questioning neighbours telling me of it afterwards she said of course i could not preach but i just told them what i knew of the lord jesus oh that all god's more faithful children in every land would do just that end of sketch thirteen